Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. See, in my house, the only Christmas songs we knew were Silent Night, Away in a Manger, and Oh Come Let Us Adore Him, and Joy to the World. We did know Jingle Bells, and my mom told me that my dad was Santa Claus, and I believed her because he was short and fat. Turns out he was buying all the gifts. Um, but then I met Nicole, and we would go, go to their house. Y'all, her mom is insane. It was like, I mean, everything gets packed away, and all the Christmas decorations gets pulled out. Now, even the pictures on the wall, if they didn't switch out the pictures, she would take the pictures down and put wrapping paper, Christmas gift paper, over the frame and hang it back up on the wall. I mean, it was like Christmas threw up in their house. But Nicole learned all the carnal songs. I mean, listen, every Christmas album known to man was playing around the clock in their house. And so I didn't know uh, some of these songs because I was too spiritual. And I, you know, I was, I grew up, y'all can go, y'all can go. I just needed to have the B flat. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'll get back to Christmas. Don't let me forget. I'm on Christmas. I just want to say, Kevin Leon, I love you. Zaheer, you and Sarah are special people and God has a mark on you and you belong. You belong. Joel Carpenter, you are a real brother. Joel travels with us. All of our road dates, Joel is with us, and uh, he's a worship pastor out Aledo, and he comes once or twice a month to help us lead on Sunday nights, and we just are so grateful for that. You bring, you bring such... When you finish singing that one song... I start hearing, my eyes are closed, and I start hearing this exhortation. I thought, whoa, Joel, go, go. And I opened my eyes, and it wasn't Joel, it was Tanner. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Joel, go. Bro, Kareem, I just think you are marked. You have such a gift. You always know what to do. You always know what song to go to. Uh, and that's an intuitive, spirit-led gift. And I just think you're amazing. I love you. I love you. And you belong. Now, Kevin with the Y, K-E-V-Y-N, he has this weird Spanish name. <laughs> Alvizuris, A-L-V-I-Z-U-R-E-S. Am I saying it right? Alvizuris, I don't have to say Alvizuris. The E doesn't have an A sound. What is wrong with your name? I thought the E is supposed to sound like an A. I don't, Alvazuris, I love you. He stepped in at the last minute because D'Lo is at the hospital with their little Noel who's been having some issues. Uh, but she's improving. 
she's, I don't know, some of you may already know, we've had our prayer team praying for them. So D'Lo and Tiffany have been in ICU for a couple days with little Noel, but uh, we believe God's raising her up. But thank you for, for coming up. Kevin plays over at Covenant at the Carrollton campus. So thank you, thank you. I wanted to say that to you guys. I love you, you mean so much. Nicole Jordan, you are so gifted. You are so well-spoken. I love it when Nicole assigns you to open or exhort or whatever it is. You are so gifted, and I just, I'm just admiring everybody tonight. Nicole, you are the best thing that ever lived. All the rest bow down. <laughs> no, no, babe, I just think you're such a gift. Oh, such a gift. And I, uh, I love that you know all the Christmas songs, except you, you kind of messed up my point. Uh, well, so I was going to say, Christmas, let me see. Wait a second. Did I get everybody? Yes, I did. I didn't get Raphael. I love him. What? I, I just love the way he sings. I love his heart for worship. I think Raphael is such a gift to this house. So uh, I don't know why I feel all of this, but I just have to have, show some gratitude for the gifts that God has given. Now we got a house full of people that I get to see. Uh, do, you ever, do you ever feel like this? I remember when uh, Oprah first came on, right? way back when. Some of y'all, I mean, she's been off for a while. Everybody knows who Oprah is, right? Do you ever watch someone on TV and you think, I would like to be their friend? Right? Right? That's just like, I just think, I just think I would like her. I think she would like me. <laughs> Do you ever feel that way? You see someone? Okay. You're going to think this is weird. You're just going to think this is weird. But that's how I feel about Jordan. I see him, and he comes in with his family sometimes, and, uh, and I'm just, I just, I just, there's something about you. I think heaven smiles over you, and I'm not telling you this. I'm not trying to uh, embarrass you, but you're just someone that I see, and I'm like, if he had a TV show, I'd want to know him too. <laughs> so we'll see. I keep trying to get your mom and dad to invite me over for dinner and bring the whole family in so we can have some time to hang, but they haven't done that yet. But we'll see, we'll see. And then our elders, all the elders that are present, stand up, all of our elders. I, don't, I mean, you guys need to know the people in our house. Now, Benisa, her boyfriend is running sound back here. Daryl and Benisa Snitker are just, y'all sat back down. Lisa Lyman. And Steve Lyman, where is Steve? Steve is, Steve is working. Steve and Lisa Lyman are just, I told, I turned around to Lisa, and she's such a prayer warrior. I turned around just before I came up, and I says, when I'm by you, I feel strong. And uh, I just adore you, Lisa Lyman. I don't want to give too much attention to you because I don't want Steve to feel left out. Uh, Diane, Diane, this prophet woman over here who can prophesy and pray. And I, I love you. Now, I, I didn't get all the elders. Who did I miss? Kathy Kay is not here, but y'all, I love Kathy too. I love all y'all. 
I love all y'all. I love you. I love you. Yes. If, if, you, if I missed you, you can raise your hand like Destin did. And I love you, Mike. I love you. I love everyone. You're getting a car. And you're getting a car. <laughs> you're getting your own car. You're going to get in your own car. Um, so it's December the 3rd, and I'm feeling all Christmassy. I'm excited. I'm excited about the season. I will tell you, it's been a long day, so I feel a little loosey-goosey. So I might want to apologize in advance for what I might say. Oh, Lord, let me get on track. I have a word. But so, this has been a crazy day. It's been so busy, I never got my nap. I get, you get 60, and every day at 3 o'clock, I need at least a 20 or 30-minute nap. So today, we led worship right here at 10 o'clock for Covenant Church. And then we left and picked up Carson. We left him at home this morning. Y'all don't tell anybody. Uh, so we got home and picked him up, and we went to the first watch for lunch. So I don't know if it's because I had that... Well, I had coffee, but I had that mint, that mint, that mint pancake with all that syrup. Wait, I should stay away. So I don't know if it's too much coffee or if my sugar's up. <laughs> and then I took Carson to a piano recital. Carson has been in piano lessons and piano therapy, and he's doing great, and he played today, and I was so proud of him. <laughs> then we came to the church for sound check. And Carson realizes he left his iPad at home. So he needs his iPad during the time we wait to go through sound check. We come at 3.30, we have an hour and a half before church. He realizes he didn't bring his iPad. So Nicole gives me that look. And so I'm not singing tonight, so I have plenty of time to drive to the house. But my plan was to go up to the office and lay down on the sofa and take a nap. But it didn't happen. So I drove to the house, picked up his iPad, had another crispy, uh, uh, Rice Krispie treat. I should, I just, so much sugar. Jesus, Jesus, Lord, I'm believing for a healing. Got back to the church about four o'clock and I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna go up now and I'm gonna take a nap. But I laid on the couch and covered up with this jacket, and all I could think about is, what if I fall asleep and don't wake up in time for church? <laughs> so I got up, and um, I didn't get my nap. So um, I love naps. So, so it's Christmas. It's Christmas. Uh, just I want you all to know that I have... A chocolate advent calendar and according to my chocolate advent cal calendar there's only three more days before Christmas <sighs> I 
Okay, so I'm joking. We don't have an Advent calendar right now, but we have had Advent calendars. I never heard of Advent calendars. I didn't know what Advent was because I was raised in the Church of God, Pentecostal Church, and nobody ever talked about Advent, but because we had a friend who nannied our children their whole life, she used to be, she grew up Catholic, so she got us started on these calendars, and really, we had one, and maybe the first or second day of December, um, the kids ate all the chocolate in two days. The whole calendar, it was just gone. Uh, but speaking of Catholics... <laughs> I have a confession. I'm not sure I ever confessed this to anyone before, but when I was little, every Sunday afternoon, mom and dad made us take naps. I love now what I used to hate. I did not want to take a nap. There was this one day she made us all go take naps. And I remember going in the bedroom and my, I was like, it was just kind of, my bed was kind of, I was waist high to the top of the bed. And I just laid over on this pillow and I'm just crying. I don't want to be in there. And my face is buried in the pillow. And I, all I can think of my, is my mom's face. And I was just saying in the pillow, I hate you. I hate you. Because I didn't want, and I thought, that's the worst thing I've ever said. Is that a cuss word? And then my brothers came and got me and they had opened up the window and took the screen off and we all climbed outside and we went playing on Sunday afternoon and then we all climbed back in. I never confessed that either. Y'all, am I going to hell? Lisa says yes. <laughs> Y'all, I've been so busy. I've been so busy today, I haven't even had time to go to the restroom. Okay, let me take that back. I did go to the restroom a few times, but just number one. Y'all gonna have to pray for me. I hope I'm not constipated. I go every morning, right after my first cup of coffee. Sometimes the cat comes in the bathroom with me and he just stands there and looks at me. Uh, someone give me some protein. I need some almonds or something to got to settle this down. Um, Merry Christmas. It's December. Don't bring me any banana pudding this month, all right? Uh, this, my brain has been racing about things I shouldn't be thinking about. Uh, Oh, Lord, please don't let me be constipated. Maybe I should scan my arm and check my sugar. I don't know. Um, so we've been talking about builders, builders in the kingdom. Remember the first Sunday I spoke on buildership. I said God was taking us from leadership to buildership. I like the sound of that. I don't know if it makes perfect sense, but I like it. So I'm going to hang on to it. We talked about blueprints, bricks, 
and builders. You can have all the ingredients. You can have the plans laid out on the floor. You can have a pile of bricks. But if you, if you don't have a builder, you're not going to get anything built. Jesus uh, said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And I'll talk to you about, we want to get in the Jesus project, the building project that Jesus I love you too, Anna. I'm so glad you're out of the house. My, no, they've been sick for a month. They've been, it went, it went from the flu to COVID. This week, they just got over COVID. I'm like, dear Lord, somebody send a healing evangelist over to their house. <laughs> um, Harvey and Cole and Anna have just been one thing. It's just jumped on one and then the other. Uh, Edwin. I'm glad you're alive. Uh, Y'all, this brother fell off a ladder putting up Christmas lights. Maybe God is telling you to leave the lights alone. I, <laughs> I, Christmas, I almost fell off the roof once and I quit. I just, I either hire it or I don't spend the money. You wanna put lights up on my house for, for cheap? You need to heal up first, right? Lord, now let me just go here. I've seen God move on someone with crushed bones in their foot. And I made a declaration in a church in Tampa, Florida. We sang one song, and while we sang that song, the bones came together, and they were healed in an instant. And they came to our CDs table. Remember when you used to sell CDs? Uh, and they came to our product table, and they were running and jumping, and their bones came together. They were healed in a moment. So you got... Two broken ribs. Lord, if you did it before, you're able to do it again. So I declare healing in my brother right now. God, I pray for a speedy recovery that you would heal his body. Make these bones be restored in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, I'm all over the place. I'm trying to get started on my uh, text. There might be more. Uh, I think God is in the room and wants to heal. I, I, should, I should say, I know God is in the room and wants to heal. You know, he's really good at not just healing sickness and disease, but he can also heal relationships. Where... It seems like a brick wall in a marriage. And God is just so, it's easy for him to just chip away. Sometimes he does it quickly. Sometimes it takes process. Uh, I just release healing in the room. This is the way you build. This is the way you build. You, you, we, we have five pillars that we uh, have established this church. Help me with the pillars, babe, because I didn't put them in my plan. So it's prayer, presence, people, principle, and power. Power is one of our principles. That's how we build. We build on, on presence. If you want the presence, this is the place to come. Okay, so I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me, I just want you to know, this is how we build. It's by releasing healing. 
Releasing the power of God. To, to pray for people. To make declarations so that Jesus can get what he paid for. Um, oh, I like the sound of that. Oh, oh, back there. So, I'm going to continue this, uh, this series and wrap it up in 20 minutes from now. Let me set my alarm. Everybody, did we do that one time? Remember, everybody set your alarms. <laughs> everybody go to your phone and set your alarm for 6.45 and let's see what happens. Nicole is nervous. I told you, I apologize in advance, but it would be just kind of funny to hear everybody's alarms go off at the same time. Y'all, please do it. Don't sit there and look. Do it, do it, and turn the volume up. Okay, I'm going to read from Nehemiah, the first chapter, verses 1 through 4. This is the real beginning. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, he's speaking in tongues, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. The title of my sermon tonight is A Zeal to build. Everybody say, a zeal to build. I want you to understand the context of this scripture. Nehemiah was one of the Jews that had been taken captive by the Babylonians. All the prophets declared the same word to the people of Israel. They had turned away from God. And the prophets, they were given chance and chance and chance again to turn back to God, but they refused to hear the words of the prophet. And then it was, they all spoke that they would be taken into captivity. Specifically, Jeremiah was very specific that the Babylonians would take them. For 70 years, they would be held captive. So Nehemiah is in exile living in the Persian Empire, and he's serving as the king's cupbearer. He lives about a thousand miles away from Jerusalem in what is modern Iran. His brother, Hanani, H-A-N-A-N-I, Hanani, huh? either way, it sounds like you're speaking in tongues, right? 
Hanani brings Nehemiah sad news. He says, the people are surrounded by evil and have been disgraced. The walls of the city are broken down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Nehemiah's response expresses his love for his family and for God's city. He hears his brother's report and immediately sits down and begins to weep for days. He mourns for days as though someone had died, and perhaps many did. He begins praying and fasting. Does anybody here tonight have family out of state? Yeah. Imagine a sibling or an uncle or aunt comes to you and shares news like this. Our family is in big trouble. Our name has been disgraced and our city has been burned down. Our houses are gone. Our hometown has been destroyed. Imagine that kind of news. How would you respond? Most likely the same way Nehemiah responded. You'd weep and you'd mourn. Nehemiah, the second chapter, verse one says this, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, I've heard it pronounced many ways. I'm just going to pretend that's right. Is that I say it right, babe? Oh, thank you. Thank you. When wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. Now, I had not been sad in his presence. This is Nehemiah, the cupbearer now, coming to the king. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lie in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? So I prayed to the God of heaven. So evidently, he paused long enough to whisper a prayer. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. Nehemiah had taken time off from work to mourn to pray and to fast. But even after the break, he wasn't over the trauma of his loss. He still couldn't keep his composure when he came before the king. He was visibly heartbroken. He tried to remain professional and the king called him out. When the king asked Nehemiah what he wanted, he prayed 
Then he asked to be sent home to rebuild the city of God. Here's where I want to draw a picture. Nehemiah's perspective of the city of his people. Can we see Jerusalem, the city of God, similar to the church, the house of God? Can we see the remnant of Jerusalem, Nehemiah's family, similar to fellow believers in the church, our brothers and sisters in the house of God. Do we care what happens to our spiritual family, our spiritual home, our church? Do we take it personally? So my concern is for the state of the church in our nation, the state of the church around the globe, the church that has rendered pastors uh, no longer shepherds, but now they're CEOs. Their offerings are to make sure they have the nicest cars and the nicest houses. I know what I'm talking about. I know of a church that was having uh, a struggle with their finances. They were down and the pastor's wife um, was not so much concerned that the staff be paid. I can't lose my lifestyle. I'm accustomed to living like this. Uh, I'm meddling. But it concerns me. Uh, uh, when churches can have church without the moving of the Holy Spirit, and they not even know it. In the book of Acts, it says, when the Holy, when the Holy Ghost was poured out, it said, it was spoken to them, you shall be endued with power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. Now, that kind of power is not talking about uh, that you scream when you preach. That's, that's, that's not the kind of power that makes you louder in your worship. We're talking about shadows, healing sick people on the side of the road. We're talking about the power of God that raises the dead. 
the power of God that causes cancer to surrender. And you shall be endued with power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Many of us just speak in tongues until we feel goosebumps and we think. So my concern is, where is the church? Now, I'm not saying this to speak judgment. I'm speaking about my family, my brothers and sisters in the Lord who are unaware that the enemy has subtly moved in. And lured you away from the purpose of God. Psalm 69, verse 9. For zeal for your house consumes me. When I say house, I'm not talking about this building or any other building. I'm talking about the house of God made up of living stones. You understand that? You, you get what I'm, what I'm saying? This whole premise is not about a building as it is about people. Zeal for your house consumes me. David wrote this. And the insults of those who insult you fall on me. David took it personally. David, the man after God's own heart, wrote these words. His intense love for God's house consumed him. Consumed, this word here, means to eat. Centuries later, when Jesus cleansed the temple, these words were remembered by the disciples, recited, and they said, they quoted this same scripture when he overturned the tables of the money changers in the temple. Zeal for God's house looks like something. And it doesn't tolerate irreverence. What David said it looked like and what we see in Nehemiah is that a holy zeal? Is that what zeal for God's house looks like? Did, did, did they take it personally? Did Nehemiah take it personally? David said, the insults of those who insult you fall on me. He's saying, when someone insults you, when someone insults you, God, they insult me. I tell you, it's difficult. I have pretty much turned the news off because I listen to people reject people of faith, speak horrendous things about people of faith. David's passionate 
about how people talk about God and God's house. Now, if you talk spicy to my wife, I'm going to take it personally. Why? Because she's mine. She belongs to me. She's not just an ordinary woman. She's my woman. She's a part of me. I've taken responsibility for her. You better not let me hear you sneak up, walk into a conversation, and you're saying anything about her. I might have to repent again. And I'm not sure I'm even physically qualified to beat anybody up. Ian will come and help me. You have permission to. She's a part of me. Because she's mine, whatever happens to her happens to me. You should see her when someone insults me. She takes it personally. Can I give you an example? So a few years ago, a couple years ago, we were at the... Uh, We're at the Bethany address, and I had preached a sermon on the spirit of Bartimaeus. Y'all remember? Uh, we've had to beef up our security since that day because uh, I, 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 I won't repeat the sermon, but it was really good. Uh, but I said, uh, I, I talked about we need the spirit of Bartimaeus that we won't let anybody silence us. In the same zeal, we're talking about zeal, the same zeal Bartimaeus had, he said, Jesus, son of David. They're trying to hush him. And all the more he's screaming it out. So I'm talking about we need to be baptized in the spirit of Bartimaeus. Well, this young man comes up, a visitor, and starts to attack me and tells me that that was heresy. And, and I said, sir, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm, I'm, I'm being as meek as I know how to be because uh, it was just me. Nicole's the one that saw what was happening and she's the one who got ugly. <laughs> and I said, sir, I'm sorry you feel that way, but I want to assure you, our people here knew what I was talking about. Oh no, they didn't, you're deceiving them. And I said, sir, and he wouldn't stop. He just kept on and getting in my face. And finally, Nicole saw what was happening. She stepped up into the circle, said, sir, we have elders, we have pastors that speak into our life, and you're not one of them. Then she punched him. No, she didn't. Right in the throat. And I said, go, Nicole, go. But her heart was, he's mine. 
What you're saying to him, I'm taking personally. Uh, this, that may be a little in the flesh. Whatever you say about her, I'll take personally. We'd never let anyone talk about our spouses or our children. Because they're ours. We take the insults personally. Why don't we do this about God's house? David did. Jesus did. And Nehemiah did. Nehemiah mourned, wept for days, prayed for God's house. Builders have a zealous love for God's house. They're eaten up with passion to work on what God has caused, called them to build. We may build many things aside from God's house, but we cannot build many things instead of God's house. We've got to fall into zealous love to build the Jesus Project. Builders take healthy ownership of God's house. Builders choose to take ownership. They take action. They take on God's heart for God's house. Bad news about God's house comes to us all. And unfortunately, somewhat often, how do we respond? Are we grieved? Are we actionless? Okay, I just have to wrap this up. Just, oh Lord, I left my phone up there and the alarm's going to go off before I'm done. Um, thank you, thank you. you. The password is, you know it, and then and just turn, go ahead and turn it off. Y'all don't have to turn yours off, but I just, I don't want, want out, and then you can leave it there. You got it? You got it? He knows my password. It's one of two things. I saw a vision of myself. It was just a swift vision a couple days ago. I was praying about tonight and about the zeal for God's house and what it means. What, how do we practically build God's house? And I saw myself calling an altar call. And I was the first one to go. And then that night I dreamed. I dreamed the same vision. I saw it again. It was, it was the second witness. 
And in the dream, I just answered my own altar call. And I came down and began to pray. I didn't know if anybody was going to join me. Same, it's my same posture about worship. I try to engage everybody that I can. I look in their faces. I try to connect. But at some point, if they don't participate in the worship, I get to this place where I just have to turn in my heart and just say, God, I'm going after you if I'm the only one in this room that goes after you. And that has always been my posture of worship. I do everything that I can to connect and draw and bring people with me on this journey. But at some point, the hard-nosed, stiff-necked people can just sit there and I'm going after God because I know I can worship him by myself and I know that he always is faithful to meet me right there. But I saw myself coming to the altar and beginning a prayer. Second Chronicles says, if my people, he's talking to his people, not the lost, not the unsaved. He said, if my people would humble themselves and pray. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.